This is Alicia Free, a badass belly dancer, musician, and real food enthusiast, here to help you feel a little lighter. Each show will dive into music that makes us want to dance. We'll share secrets of looking smoking hot in costume and everyday life. We'll dote on delicious whole food that makes us glow. And I'll throw in a damn sexy dance move you can try at home. Badria is a professional oriental dancer devoted mainly to Egyptian classical and folklore styles, modern fusion with oriental dance and the golden age of belly dance. She teaches in Ghent, Belgium, and travels around Europe to give workshops and lectures. Badria's dream is to build up a real belly dance museum. As a start, she collects vintage belly dance items such as newspapers and magazines and postcards, lobby cards, vinyl records, and press photos depicting belly dancers from 1700 to 1970. Badria danced in more than 60 shows with Jelena's Belly Dance Evolution in 13 different countries, including Greece and Morocco. In the 2016 Moroccan tour, the company danced to the Royal Moroccan Philharmonic Orchestra. That must have been amazing. Yeah, it was fantastic indeed. (laughs) Now, we're recording this interview at the end of September in 2021, and today is actually the day I released the podcast interview with Jelena. Oh, which really? is fun. Yeah. This so. is nice. <laughs> yeah. So the Jelena community is definitely spotlighted on a little lighter and celebrated. So we'll roll right into the first question. What are some of the key things you learned about Egyptian folkloric dances when you were in the troupe Al Fayum, led by belly dancer Sheila? Yeah, this experience was truly important in my dance career or dance understanding because within that troupe, we worked together for seven years, eight years. We then had some continuation with other groups. I learned that there is a big difference between folklore and character dances. So normally in the dance community, we present Egyptian folklore in a form of character dances, but many people don't know about that. So folklore is something that is truly done by the native people in their own village, within their own culture. While character dances are dances that are inspired by folklore. It doesn't have to be exactly the same dance, but it can be, or it can be inspired by a specific dance, but it can be also inspired by some folklore jewelry, and you can create a character dance based on that. So this is what Mahmoud Reda did. Most of his dances are character dances that are inspired by folklore. So what I learned was this main difference, what it is to do character dances, and then there's this big difference. Yeah. Cool, right? Because when you see Mahmoud Reda's choreography, you're like, this doesn't look like it's done in a village, but it looks like it's done in the movie set of a village, right? It's like... (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So there are these famous examples of Haggalah, for example. You can find a golden era movie. I cannot remember now the name, but there is a true Haggalah dancer in it from 1950s. And you see what she's doing. She's truly using her hips a lot she's obviously improvising her face is covered her hair is up and she has a big stick in her hand and then if you compare it with Mahmoud Reda stage presentation it resembles it a bit but it's definitely not the same thing but it's understandable because what he was doing was productions on stage so of course he had to adapt it and yeah it's understandable Oh my goodness, I can't wait to ask you this next question. Tell us about your seven trips to Egypt and the workshops you took at the Nile Group festivals and private classes and your classes with Noor. 
Yes, I did the, around seven trips to Egypt, um, mostly alone or with another group of dancers. And I would love to go back again. But now with my little daughter, it will take some time. However, what I always did was educating myself. So either it was going to a big festival, like Nile Group Festival, where you have, you know, classical festival, many teachers, many shows. So there's so much input. But later on, I started to travel alone to take private classes. And one of the most important was for me private classes with Noor. Noor is a Russian, a dancer who is working in Cairo for tens and tens of years. And she gave me a lot of insight into not only the technique, but also in the way it works in Cairo. It works in the nightclub life. So, for example, back then I was dancing mostly with bent knees, you know, the classical ballet that was taught 10, 15 years ago in Europe. But she told me, no, 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 straight legs. This is a new technique in Cairo. You have to dance on straight legs. And most of the accents I had to do with straight legs. So completely different usage of muscles, contractions of glutes and ties and obliques. It was very much different. So that was pretty interesting. And I think I danced very badly, actually. <laughs> but she was very supportive. And it was also very nice. She's living and her husband is Yasser. I think it's his name and he's an incredible singer. And it was beautiful just to be with them in their house. Yasser went to have his breakfast and he saw me and said, good luck, good luck, are you a dancer? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm a dancer. I'm trying, you know, I'm learning with your beautiful wife. And he said, sure, uh, would you like to have my CD? And he just gave me his CD with his music, just, just like that. And I was like, oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> and I remember what I also learned from Noor was if you give a private class, make sure that your student really gets maximum. So I was ready to take hour and a half classes with her and I was ready, hour and a half, I have to leave. I must not bother her anymore. After that hour and a half, we danced together. I wanted to leave and she said, where are you going? I'm like, well, uh, going back to the hotel. And she said, no, 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 no. Sit down and write everything down. So I had to sit on my butt and write everything down, but I was happy because I had this feedback. Back then we didn't do videos or anything like that much. So that was incredible. So yeah, if I can recommend, watch her videos, learn from her because she's exceptional dancer. So that's a great tip for teachers. Just give your students time to write it down after the class so they get yes. maximum value from it, right? I think that students should write it down themselves. What I notice now when I give private classes online, it's not that easy to control them if they do write it or not. But what I'm, for example, doing is that I provide them a recording of the class for two weeks and I'm writing all the notes by myself, feedback for their dance, and I repeat it in the email anyway. So I'm sure they have it and they can always get back to it. Nice. That's great because everyone's got different ways of remembering and learning too, right? So you're covering more bases with that. Indeed. That's indeed. great. <laughs> you are now specializing in the golden era of belly dance. You took private classes with Valeric Molinari and you analyze old Egyptian movies. What are three of the best golden era Egyptian belly dance movies for belly dancers to watch and why? 
Oh, nice question. So, yes, I want to say something about me and golden era of belly dance. The problem is that there are not many teachers who can teach it because we are all modern dancers. We are not from that era. But Valerik is incredible teacher and absolutely stunning dancer. And when I saw her golden era, I really thought that it would be amazing to have her classes and her insight. And she gave me this first insight how to observe the movement, how to approach studying golden era through videos. So thanks to her input, I started to work more and more and more on Golden Era. And honestly, it's truly observation. You have to observe the video and try to recreate it on your body. However, your question is about the movies. And I love it because there are many movies I would recommend to watch. One important movie is like this classical movie is Afrita Hanem with Samia Gamal and Farid Alatrash. This movie goes about an Aladdin lamp. <laughs> it's in English. And Farid founds it and... Um, Samia Gamal is the gin from the bottle. And not only her acting and the whole story is super fun to watch, but her dance numbers are pretty important because what she's doing there, not most of the time, but half of the time, is not Raksharki, like classical Egyptian belly dance, but it's some kind of fantasy dance. I call it myself oriental fantasy, that it reminds kind of belly dance or let's say Raksharki, but it's truly very much based on fantasy. So there are a lot of movements with arms, legs, leg kicks, and lunches and backbends and all of these movements that we would rather connect into some fantasy field than pure golden era rakshaki. In that same movie, she does dance rakshaki. So you can compare Samia Gamal in the same movie doing two dance styles. And then another one I think would be definitely Ahebak Ya Hassan with Naima Akev. Oh, I really love that movie because of the dance scenes. Not only the plot, but the dancing. So Naima Akev is a dancer who lives in Muhammad Ali Street in that movie. And there is also a singer. And both of these girls are in love with the neighbor. And yeah, so there's a little bit of fights, but at the end, the neighbor wants Naima Akev, the dancer, and the girls at the end cooperate together. It's a very interesting story. But from that movie we can see one of the most famous dance scenes of Naima Akev. And that's the one when she enters uh, entertainment hall and she starts to dream to perform in it. And suddenly she starts to turn and her dance costume changes. And she starts this, one of the best choreographies I've ever seen. Seriously, it's like seven minutes long. The dance is called the dance of Mamluk, I think. And she used the same choreography when she traveled to Russia. And she used it in dance competition where dancers from the whole world performed various dance styles and she won it in Russia in 1956 or 57. So this is truly impressive dance. And yeah, so that one. And if I can recommend one with Tahiya Karyuka, there are many interesting ones. For me, the most funny one is I love mistakes. And I think it's beautiful to watch because you can see a belly dancer doing many different styles. And this is important to realize that the belly dancers in golden era, they were not only belly dancers, they had to perform many different styles, especially if you perform in cabaret or in a movie, they had to do like a tap dance or sometimes something like flamenco, although it didn't look much like flamenco at the end, rumba, <laughs> many other dance styles. So they had to train this. And I think that movie shows it 
beautifully because there is even a dance scene when Tahia is doing something like a pharaonic dance you know like fantasy dance like that you do this like head side to side <laughs> how is it in English hieroglyphs yep. hieroglyphs yeah hieroglyphs that's Hierogly- my accent I don't know how I- <laughs> <laughs> but it's really the position mm-hmm. so it's pretty fun so I would recommend to see these three movies Great. And I will write all of the names of these films in the show notes as well and link to some YouTube clips of them. Yes, there are some clips at least of some of the dance scenes. Great. So many of the titles are in Arabic or spelled so many different ways in Roman characters. So I look through the movies and I don't know what the title means or anything. I just know some of the dance scenes and it kills me. It pains my heart. And I'm sure you and so many other people that they're in black and white because I want so badly to see what colors the costumes were. Yeah. <laughs> I had the same question and actually I talked to Eman Zaki, the designer from Cairo. Mm-hmm. We had her on our festival, Kanzaman, and we asked her, what about the colors? Because we would love to know. One would say, well, we can look at the posters because they are colored. But every time the costume has different color, although it's the same one. For example, Tahia Karioka uses one costume in two movies. And on posters from those two movies, it has always different color. And I know it has to have the same color because that's exactly the same costume. So we asked her and she said from Madame Abla, who used to design these costumes as well, a lot of pink, a lot of blue and a lot of green as well. Okay. So we can envision them kind of, like when there's a darker color, maybe it's blue. Exactly. They are definitely not the black or white there with beautiful colors. Yeah. Cool. I've been wondering that for a little while. What are some differences in the historical belly dance styles Aulim and Gwazi in the 19th and 20th centuries? Mm. This is a pretty difficult question because we can kind of know how Awalim and Gawazi looks in 20th century because we have some documentation. For example, Banad Mazin from Upper Egypt, we have clips of them dancing. However, I have to point out immediately, these are not the only Gawazi. There are other Gawazi families or Gawazi troops of dancers or used to be and still are and awalim there are not that much documentation concerning awalim we also have some recordings for example from nazla adil and from those recordings we can somehow assume how the dance looked like in 20th century however we don't have that much video documentation of the dancers in 19th century the only accounts we have are written accounts So there are dancers in our community that are trying to recreate it, the dance styles from the 19th century, but they have to also use sources from the 20th century to kind of go back. Good thing is that probably the Gawazi and Awalim dance styles didn't change so much within the time, at least those 100 years. Of course, there are changes, but they are not so rapid as in Rakshaki, for example. And they are trying to reconstruct it. So if I can name a few dancers, definitely Shining and Nisa. They both try to reconstruct these dances and also to find differences between Gawazi in Upper Egypt and Lower Egypt. So there is a difference between how Gawazi in Nile Delta of the Nile were dancing or the Gawazi in the Upper Egypt. So if people want to get more interested in it, there are these two dancers that I can highly recommend and their research. Cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, we're so spoiled with YouTube and video and our camera and like Fifi Abdo can show us what she's doing this morning on her patio. We're just so spoiled with all this information we have about yes. dance right now. Yeah, yeah it's, I it's agree. Cool. Indeed, there's so much information like Fifi Abdo is amazing. Seriously, we can see her life, what she's doing right now. And that's fabulous. And not that many dancers from late golden era, because Fifi Abdo, in my view, is still kind of late golden era when she started, are doing the same. For example, Farida Fahmi is absolutely famous dancer, but she doesn't want to be seen anywhere. There are people who are doing interviews with her, but she doesn't want to have any photo. She doesn't want to be visible at all. So there are these two kinds of artists. Some want to stay really hidden and some are just going full power <laughs> still on the social media. That's pretty interesting indeed, yeah. I didn't think about that. Yeah, I don't know of any other dancers that are so like, here's my perfume. You see her life, you know, there's so much joy. We had talked about Fifi Abdo on another episode of this podcast with Eshe Yildiz. And she said something wonderful, like she's just so in love with herself and it's wonderful. Like, yes. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think about her as being a later edge of the golden era, right? When she began. That's an interesting yeah. way to think about. So we still have her teaching us and showing us yeah. the history indeed. in a way. Indeed, indeed, yeah. And I'm looking at your setup too, and I love how you have your computer set up on like vintage hat boxes and a vintage trunk. You love this stuff. Indeed, the computer and my microphone is set on a vinyl record player that can ah. play a vinyl records that are from 1930s. 1940s because those manual records have to be played on the speed of 78 how is it turns per mm. minute like you know rotations for something rotations. yeah yeah and uh, it was pretty fun actually how i found out i buy vinyl record of naima akef singing on a record from 1950s i was so excited i bought it and i was so happy to play it and i put it on my normal record player and what i heard was just <laughs> you know this just <laughs> This horrible sound. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God. And I was like, ah, wrong speed. I have to make it faster. And what I heard was like, just faster, these horrible sounds. And then I realized, wait, I need a completely different record player that is playing nearly double time than that. And this one can do it. So I'm happy for that. So I could listen to all those beautiful records. Yeah. And it looks like a little suitcase. You can carry it around. Take it to your next party. Take it to your show, right? Actually, yes, that's what I wanted to do. If I have lectures in our dance school close by, I just take my gramophone because it has speakers built in as well. And I can just play all vinyl records there. That's amazing. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for explaining what everything's on. I was like, it just looks cool, but it actually is cool as well inside. You have collected over 300 vintage belly dance items. What are some of the dream items that you're searching for? Are there things that we can send to you to your museum if we find them? If you send them to me without me paying thousands of euros, I will be super happy. But even if you find one of my dream items, I'm very much willing to pay for that. Because all these items, I have to be honest, they're extremely expensive. And yeah, it's not easy to keep on going because I paid for my own earnings. And now I have Patreon page, so I have some support from some supporters. However, my dream item would be a dance costume from Golden Air or even before that would be just lovely i'm seriously searching for such costume from 1940s 1950s ideally owned by some of the famous dancers like samia gamal 
If anybody has it, it's like, oh, I don't know who would like it. Hello, <laughs> I'm here. I'll be very happy to have it in the Binance Museum. But yeah, that's truly dream, dream item. And so definitely belly dance costume. What I would also like is the necklaces they used in 19th century. So you can see the first Raksharki dancers or also Gawazi dancers. They had coin necklaces. I found coins with holes in them from 19th century that might have been worn by the dancers. Not necessarily, though. But if there would be a still necklace like that, that would be fascinating. But I hardly think there is any left because, you know, when nobody doesn't use it, they would definitely take the coins to somehow reuse it. So that would be lovely. Although now when I'm thinking about it, I had two dream things and they already came true. So <laughs> one of them was the vinyl record of Badia Masabani. So I have two <laughs> now. And one dream item was a billboard with one of the golden era belly dancers really from that time. And I already have it as well. So <laughs> that's really nice. Yeah, I have a billboard here. Yeah. Is it hand painted then? The billboard, yes, I see it's not drawing, but painting, I guess. Mm -hmm. And it's printed out, but it's cut out into separate pieces that oh. has to be glued on the big board. And I have the separate pieces. It's with Samia oh. Gamal from 1956, I think. So yeah, it's pretty cool. So I don't have it on my wall because then I have to use specific materials to keep it safe and protected. So it's protected but folded. Yeah. And so you have a one-year-old whose birthday is today. Yeah. And so I'm sure she's going to love going through your jewelry that is so precious and your costumes that are so precious. Like whenever I'm getting ready for a gig, my son used to just like need to put on all my bracelets. I'm like, oh my God, I'm never <laughs> going to get to this gig. But I hope that you have a way to store your very precious things that for your museum. <laughs> Yes, it's actually oh what worries me the most. So far, I have them in two wardrobes and they're locked. And the yes. key is really high, so she cannot go there. But <laughs> yeah, it's my fear that one day I come and, and all the vintage postcards are ripped apart. Fran! <laughs> oh gosh, no, no. It's a nightmare, yeah. <laughs> so any listeners out there that have an idea of where any of these costumes might be living, if you have a connection with any family members or any theater owners or I don't know who would have them, please send me a note or even better send a note right to Badria. Yes, please. Well, I know about one person. It's a daughter of Hindrostam. She still has costumes of her mom, but she doesn't want to sell it to anyone. They were people offering thousands and thousands of euros, but she doesn't want to do it. And I kind of understand. But I hope that maybe one day when she decides to donate it, ideally. <laughs> You'll be there. <laughs> I'm, ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to take care of it. <laughs> Now, you're in the Czech Republic right now, is that right? I'm in Belgium. I was born in Czech Republic, but now I live and I work in Belgium. So where would this belly dance museum live? The ah, idea. Yeah, it would live where I will be. So far, I am here in Belgium. So right now, I have the dance collection here in this house, but it's rented. Once we buy a house, I have already an idea how to turn at least one room to a small belly dance museum while 
having it as a little dance studio as well. So I will have some built-in wardrobes where you just open up and you will have the exposition and installations there across the whole room. And one part would be covered with mirrors so I can use it as a dance studio and the others will be just covered. So if somebody visits, I can really turn it into a belly dance museum with activities and with descriptions that would be ready. I just have to prepare it. And that can happen once I own a house. That's a beautiful vision to be able to dance in a space with history. But honestly, what I would love, what is my complete dream, would be to have a beautiful house that has separate parts. One part would be a little cafe and there would be an attic or another little space where the museum would be. And people could come to the cafe. They can have some nice cakes, nice teas. All the names will be with belly dancers. So for example, Samia Gamal's cake, oh, something nicer I would use as a word, you know, but Badia's favorite tea and stuff like that are really, really nice. There would be some items already hanged on the walls. There would be a little stage where would be concerts, dance performances, lectures. Old vinyl records would play there. And me and my husband would take care of it. So this is my little dream. I just don't know how to finance that, but let's see. It's beautiful. Well, I hope to visit when it does come into fruition. I want to visit there. (laughs) Yes, you're very welcome. (laughs) Thank you. Do you have a danceable ritual that you would like to share? Danceable ritual. Yes, I have something like that. It doesn't include dance, but it's definitely a ritual I do before I perform. And I usually find a place that is empty. That is sometimes not easy in the backstage full of dancers, but I find a little corner and I just hide myself there. And I thank the universe that I can be there and that I can perform. It's something that I always do. I always clasp my hands. I'm not a religious person, but I hope I'm a grateful person. And especially in those moments, I'm trying to realize that this is actually so beautiful that I can go on a stage, I can perform, and there are people who are very happy to watch it. It's so nice and that I always remind myself and I thank my body that is healthy, that I can dance and I thank the life that it brought me there and it calms me down and then I'm really happy to go on the stage. Yeah, that's so nice. It's so different than like being nervous or being frantic or just like, wow, this is such a gift, this moment that I'm right here. Everything that brought me to this moment is a gift, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am also nervous. This nervosity is connected to artists, I think, before performing. But this calms me down and just realization that what is happening is really nice, gives me a better opportunity to truly dance on the stage. And what I mean by dancing is not only to perform the choreography, but to truly live it, really that I dance, that I am present in every moment, in every second. I listen to the music, I feel the theater, I feel my body. It's really to be present in the moment. And then from that time, when I started to do this ritual, never happened to me again. When you have this feeling after the performance, oh, it's already gone, it already happened. I don't have this anymore because I'm present there and I feel it fully. And it's 
beautiful. Not always I succeed. Not always the conditions are that easy that you can go fully into it. But most of the time it happens and it's great. <laughs> right. Because sometimes you finish and you're like, wait, yeah, <laughs> what happened? Right. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Life is like that, isn't it? Especially with kids. You're like, wait, I could appreciate this moment right now instead of rushing through it. But yeah, exactly. So that's, that's what I'm doing in my normal life as well. When I realized that I'm more in my mind and thinking about future, I'm not in the present moment and I cannot enjoy the present moment if I'm constantly just thinking what I'm going to do, this, blah, 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 blah. No, once I realize that I'm doing it too much, then I stop it and I start to just observe details. Yes, that helps me as well. Observing little details, like I have a plant here. So I really observe the rim of the leaf, how the light is entering. And this really roots me into the moment, into the reality. And it gives so much depth to whatever I would do in that specific moment, even though it would be just sitting and looking. So I really recommend people to, if they have troubles with that, trying to root themselves in the presence because then you live actually. Yeah, because life is in the present moment. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank yeah, you. you say that I'm like, I feel my foot on the floor. <laughs> you know, I can feel my breath enter my body and it's just, yeah, here we are. <laughs> exactly. yeah. yeah. Now it's time for some music. Danceable song. Is there a danceable song you want to share? Yes, the song I would love to share with the listeners is Shabikurb Al Habib. And this song was written by Farid Al Atrash. And when I first heard it, just such a sweet melody and so calming melody that I cannot stop listening to it for many years. Not that I would go every day with this song, but whenever it starts to play, it just brings so much calmness. It's so beautiful. So I recommend definitely to listen to it. And you can find even on YouTube an original version sang by Farid Alatrash. And to this song, I did one of my golden era performances in this red costume that is, I think, well known. It brings a different aspect to belly dance than the modern music does most of the time lately. And as I said, it's the calmness. It gives an opportunity to enjoy the movement, not to rush the movement. It is slow, but still with so much energy and vibrance that makes you as a dancer to do it or reflect it in your own dance. So that's what I want to share with the listeners. Nice. And that song's almost eight minutes long, I think, right? It's a longer song. Ah, yes. <laughs> yeah. And that's great. So you can really get into it, right? That's part of the beauty of a longer song, I think. Yeah, and the melody is repeated by different instruments. And what I love about this song as well, especially the version I will share with the listeners, is that you can see or hear the difference when the melody is played by a violin or a viola or accordion playing. Definitely you can feel such a beautiful difference and it reflects in your body if you let it melody through your body. Listen to it, dear listeners. It's really nice. <laughs> oh, this is great because we're going to talk about some belly dance moves too and talking about the dancer reflecting through their body. Usually I ask for people's damn sexy dance move, but this one we wanted to actually talk about a video of a golden era dancer, right? And some of the moves that she does. So do you want to talk more about that? Let's do some dancing. Damn sexy dance move. This move 
it seems to me it's a core of golden era of belly dance most of the dancers use this movement and it's so different to what we do in modern belly dance so in that clip i love mistakes you can see tahia karaoke at one point dancing these huge circles with her hips and there is this big difference between what they did in golden era belly dance and what we do in modern belly dance. And that's emphasizes of pelvis and front that happened in golden era. So even the basic position was with the pelvis slightly shifted forward. It also reflects the fact that they used high heels shoes. Not always every dancer, but most of the time back then in 40s, 30s, definitely, they had high heel shoes. And then your pelvis can go forward much more easily with the high heels. And with this circle, it's just a classical big circle with hips. You can see that they try to emphasize the movement forward rather the movement in the back or backward movement, how to say it in English, the part <laughs> when you go back. So that we see in modern belly dance, that many dancers do these big circles with usage of their head and hair even, or they bend over and just play with shifting their hips from left to right in this huge circle. In golden era belly dance, we see the opposite. They are doing it in front. And if you listeners want to try it, you can do it. You can stand up. And here I would recommend to spread your feet wider than your hips. And you can try to do this big circle from right to left starting on the right side, pushing your hips really nicely forward. And you will feel that your back is going back. It's not a back bend because you're not bending the back. You're just still kind of staying in the line. And important thing is when you try to do this movement, try not to go with the back circle. Don't try to finish it in the same manner. So when you transfer the weight from right center to left in front, then you can just cut it back from left to right without finishing the circle too much. So you can go front. Mm -hmm. So for the listeners, what's happening? So standing on both feet, you just really have to transfer the weight completely forward or front. And you must let your body go back slightly not go with the hips but really lean back and have bent knees and if you bend your knees even more and spread your feet even more you can go deeper and deeper with this movement and that's what Tahia is doing there is one more thing she's doing and that completely changes that element and that's the usage of her arms so you can notice that she has her arms above her head and once she goes to the circle she lowers the hands to her forehead and she slightly twists or tilts the arms towards the direction where she is going. And it gives this beautiful dance posture. So it's a combination of a front half circle and usage of the arm and really leaning into the movement. And also the head is going to the side where you go with the movement. So for example, if you start on your right leg and you go to the left, you lean the body to the left and also your look should be left diagonal down. You can see it in the clip, very well done by Tahia Karioka. She even turns with this circle, so it gives an option to the observer to see it from all sides. So that's why I also chosen this clip. Yeah, she does it three or four times in a row. Madria shared the video clip with me and I'm watching it. I'm like, oh, it's so beautiful. I'm like, wow, I never do a forward emphasized hip circle. Oh, she did it again. Oh, she did it again. So <laughs> then I mentioned it to Madria and she's like, that's the move I wanted to talk about. I was like, aha, 
All right, I'll link to that video in the show notes, as well as a link to a video of Badria doing the move in the show oh. as well. <laughs> oh, what is the name of the film that clip is from? This one is from Heroes. I have 179 dance clips of, of Tahia Carioca, <laughs> and I have analyzed them all. Nice. <laughs> it's really crazy. And with Samia Gamal, her dance analysis, what I did that was really insane. I was having stopwatch in my hands, and I was measuring how long she performs each element in all of her 90 clips. I'm going to release the results hopefully soon. It just takes me time to write the articles on my webpage, but they will be there. All right, thank you. Now let's take a moment to dote on delicious whole food that makes us dancers glow. Featured light in my body food. What is one vegan whole food ingredient that you love? This is a really interesting question because your question is about ingredient. It's an apple. I love apples because you can do a lot of nice pies with an apple from the classical apple strudel to various pies and we call in Czech language buchta. So many buchta <laughs> can be with apples, but also I love to use apple in salads. Apples in salads always brings this wonderful freshness. Before I was a vegetarian, I used to eat meat. I added apples with meat as well. Now when I'm vegetarian for past six years, I use it too but not with meat. <laughs> yeah. My in-laws are macrobiotic vegan chefs and they make this pressed salad often with green apples and radishes. They press it under a jug and salt and make kind of a quick pickle. And it's so nice to have the apples in there. I didn't really think about how much that adds. Yeah. For Christmas or the winter holidays here or in Czech Republic, we eat potato salad and to have apples in potato salad, that's delicious. We put them in raw? Raw. Mm-hmm. Mm, I want to try that. I haven't yeah. tried that. My kids would love that too. Let's play dress up. Make you shine costume tip. What is one vintage costume tip that you want to share? If you're making your own vintage dance costume, it would be good to look at the materials that were used. Back in Golden Era belly dance, they didn't use rhinestones. So most of the decorations they use were beads, perils, or some metal, but definitely not rhinestones. So try to avoid them and your costume will definitely look more vintage Great. That's easy, right? Yeah. Something else. <laughs> Feel good. Look good habit. Do you have a feel-good, look-good habit that you want to share? When I would like to feel good and look good, especially feel good, what always helps me is to smile. Even though I don't feel like smiling, I am not really into the mood, but I really want for some reason just to be happy and feeling good. I just push myself to smile because our body is incredible. And muscles, when they are used to create smile, gives information to brain of more happiness, more good hormones are being produced. And at the end, you start to feel good. <laughs> so it's a little bit like a placebo effect, I would say. So this is one tip that helps me a lot. When I really want to feel good, I just try to smile and not just push it, of course, so you don't look like a joker, like from the Batman movie, but... <laughs> You can also think of some important things like gifts in your life and then the smile is much more natural and it enhances your good feeling. What helps me a lot as well, especially when I feel insecure, just to lift my posture, to put my shoulders a bit back, lift my chin up and suddenly it all feels much better. And at the end, I also look better. That's true. <laughs> 
I think it's Lisa Zahia. She said, I stand up in the morning and I stand like superwoman and I say what I'm going to do. Yeah, superwoman, she was the right thing. You open up your chest and you lift yourself up and you just feel more powerful, right? Indeed, that's true. And last question. Tell us about something exciting that you have coming up. Yes, I have something exciting coming up and that will be my two workshops. I'm going to prepare Golden Era Evolution. That's how it's going to be named. And this will be two workshops. So there are two parts of this workshop. And what I'm going to show in this workshop is how Raksharki evolved within Golden Era. So I'm going to show how the Raksharki looked in late 1930s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. We are going to learn some typical movements from that time period, something what changed within those 10 years in Rex Sharkey. And we are going to create four dance combinations, one for 1930s, one for 1940s, one for 50s and 60s. And at the end, we will connect them in a beautiful choreography. And I can already tell there will be some acting part as well, because I love acting. I'm not sure if I'm a good actor, but I love to do that. So in the choreography, there will be some little bits as this as well. And the part one will be a part in the belly dance bundle as well. But people can subscribe anyway out of the belly dance bundle just for it separately. So that's what's coming up. Awesome. Now, Badria, what's your website? My website is badriabellydance.com. Okay, great. And is there a belly dance museum website as well? It's on the same website. So if you go to badriabellydance.com, you will see on the front page, either you can discover more about Badria or discover more about belly dance museum. We just click there and you find there are several parts. There's always news on the first section, but right under it, there are collections and they are separated in three collections, golden era, pre-golden era and Western world and belly dance. And you can click on them and see some scans of the items I have. There are definitely not all of them yet, unfortunately. Fabulous. A lot of work. But yeah, I think it's really nice resource to find some nice information. Great. And the workshop that you're speaking about, will they be available on your website as well after they happen? Or There will be live. And okay. uh, for those who subscribe, there will be recording for like two months. So okay. definitely, even if this podcast is released a bit later, there will be still possibility to buy it. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Okay, great. Well, Badria, thank you so much for being on this podcast and for being such a ray of light. You should be exhausted. You have a one-year-old and you're working and you're doing all these things, but you're so full of beautiful energy. And you can see that in the dance videos where you're putting out laundry on the clothesline <laughs> and all kinds of wonderful videos videos that are out there that you've created for all of us. And thank you for dreaming of this belly dance museum too, because we all know that a lot of these dancers are not actually respected as the artists that they were and that they are. And it's up to us to preserve what we can and honor them in ways that we can. So thank you very much for spearheading that. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you very much for the invitation. I really enjoyed this interview. Thank you so much. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Please subscribe and let your friends know what you got out of this show. Dance with me on YouTube, listen to the music I've selected for you on Spotify, and try some free vegan recipes on AliciaFree.com. This is Alicia Free, hoping this show helps you feel a little lighter.